0: Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode number 468. Up until February 2021, there was only one state in the U.S. that didn't have a commercial airport. Or, okay, it didn't have an airport with commercial flights going out of it. Can you name that state? Take a minute to think about it, and I'll give you the answer soon, Heth. You're going to be on so make sure you think about it education is changing since we've gone through both heather and i proud graduates 2001 from high school and 2005 from university and it has been changing for a while but the pandemic has really put this into sharper focus and push that envelope ahead at a much quicker pace and finding a way to see the world while managing life's many responsibilities is one of the keys to what we're going to be talking about in today's show. And there are not many places that do that better than Oregon State eCampus. Oregon State eCampus is now ranked number four in the country by U.S. News and World Report, and they offer 80 different innovative online programs, plus Heth, the Beavers made a magical run to the Elite Eight in this year's NCA March Madness Tournament. So what more could you want? Guys, go check out everything that they offer over at ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash peanuts. Remember, if you do check it out, head over through our link. We get some love from those Beavers, those Elite Eight Beavers over at Oregon State. The link is ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash Peanuts.
1: Lightning struck in an open plain, and we forgot this old city's name. See your breath on window pane. Let's just talk till it strikes again. On my way through. I you on my way through.
0: Note for the audio. Heather is perplexed, stumped. She is looking at a map of the US and she is like shaking her head like what state could possibly not have any commercial flights out of it? And I agree. This yeah, is shocking.
1: Also, what changed in February 2021, which was a month and a half ago during a pandemic that gave it a commercial flight. I just, I have no idea.
0: Okay. Well, I will, I'll give you a few hints then guys. And Heather to frontier decided to offer one flight out of this airport seasonally to another destination. So they, they frontier used to fly out of this airport. I believe it was frontier. They had one airline that used to fly out of this airport. They stopped. And I think it was 2015, And now they have started up again in February of 2021. There's one airline that flies one flight and it's only seasonal out of this state. Any guesses?
1: I mean, I would assume it would just be a state that doesn't get a lot of air traffic. Um, So somewhere out west. Okay. Midwest. that,
0: That would have been my guess too. But here's a few other hints for all of you guys. Think of a state that, A, obviously is really small, but, B, also is convenient to other places that then would have airports, and that's why that state might not have it. Okay, great guess. Not right, but very, let's say, very similar to Rhode Island. There's another little state tucked Uh, in there. On the East Coast? In the Mid-Atlantic region. A certain famous person is from I mean, there. Delaware, in this hel- really? Delaware. The but only we've
1: flown at yes, have we not?
0: Wilmington, Delaware yes. Airport used to have flights, and then they didn't. Because they-
1: you know what I know for a fact, because our family members when we were in Colorado flew out of Wilmington, yeah. Delaware, and this was back in two thousands. Fifteen, maybe yeah they
0: canceled their flights out of there and i believe it was frontier at that point okay and now they have in february of 2021 they started <laughs> seasonal flights to orlando florida from wilmington delaware airport i have a Very really strange. really good intro fact about u.s airports and i wanted to give it now but i'm going to wait until the next episode it's it might be even more shocking than the one that I just gave. Well,
1: you. that was pretty shocking for me because I was just thinking, I mean, I know all these states who have a major, I mean, every state has a capital, but have at least one major city in it yep. usually will then have commercial flights. So I, I was just stumped. I was very confused. If you
0: guys got it without any clues, good on you. Yeah. It, yes, a very hard question. I'm glad I'm the one who gets to ask the questions mm. and not the one who answers because my first thought when I saw this too was, out west but I'm thinking well no you have to have flights these places so Montana has it Wyoming has it so yes little Delaware Mm. but now thankfully Frontier Airlines that seasonal flight to Orlando Delaware has flights now today one of the things that we're gonna or not one of the things the things the thing we are going to talk about about is five ways that we believe travel will change in a post-COVID world and the reason that we are talking about this Hath is because we thought we were going to get to talk about it (laughs) on national TV. That didn't exactly happen.
1: Yes. So we were, someone from MSNBC reached out to us uh, because of our podcast to come on and discuss how we think travel will be changing post-pandemic. Although there isn't really going to, I mean, post-pandemic, but COVID will still be here just as, you know, a lot of other <laughs> viruses like the flu and all of that. So I guess once we're through the pandemic and we're vaccinated and we're more readily traveling, right. sure this is what we wanted to talk about on MSNBC. However, we didn't get a chance to because then after they asked us to talk about how we thought travel would change, they found out that I had gotten COVID while traveling and that made for a better story. So that's what our interview was about.
0: Yeah, so if you've been following along with our Instagram, we did get an MSNBC interview. Interestingly enough, and very shockingly, they don't have like the, she said, we don't have the video of the interview, the clip, the clip. So for all of you have been asking for the clip, MSNBC didn't have it. But thanks to our good friend napkins, Mm -hmm. who's been on the podcast, hashtag love napkins. Who DVR'd it, and then when we didn't have the clip, went to his DVR and filmed it (laughs) with his phone from his DVR. We do actually have the clip of our interview with MSNBC, and you'll be able to find that. We're going to put it up at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash MSNBC, so you can watch it there. Or have to explain to them how to get it on Instagram, because as you guys know, I know very little about Instagram. I'm just going
1: to put it on IGTV, so it'll be a video on Instagram.
0: So you'll be able to see that it will be a screen recorded DVR version of our yeah it's clip the on MSNBC version. It's, it's the, the
1: pirate version. It's
0: the pirate version. So you can check that out. But yes, I and it went well. But we thought we would get to. Have a very positive spin on how travel will change post-pandemic. Instead, it was just about what our experience was having COVID in Costa Rica, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> fine, I guess. I mean, it, it it is fine. That's the way they wanted it to go. But it was thrown at us last minute.
1: Yeah, but good thing we have our own podcast because now we can talk about how we think travel will change post-pandemic. And it's a really exciting topic because this means we'll be able to travel again. And I'm just sitting here so excited thinking about traveling and being able to plan without plan for that without the anxiety and stress and kind of fear that goes along with COVID and what will happen if you leave your house, basically.
0: Yeah. And so we came up with five ways that it will change. And a lot of these are very interrelated because there, I believe, and Heth believes as well, there will be a fundamental shift in the way people are traveling. And I this will be a positive thing and so they you'll see as we go through this list there's a lot of interconnection between these these things but the first thing
1: well i actually had wanted to start a little bit with an honorable mention because we have five Uh, things right okay (laughs) so i'm throwing
0: script this is not even on our notes it's
1: on it's on the notes that i added um at the bottom because i when i do my list i do one to five we have five things and then um
0: but we did this I together. I start from
1: like the bottom of my list. Yes.
0: we Yeah, we guys, we went and talked about this together because we thought we were going to say yes. this on MSNBC. So it's not like right. you have five and I have five. We <laughs> no, no, no. We, there's five total. But you've got a secret But I here. have
1: an honorable mention because then this kind of like the sixth thing. And I just wanted to talk logistically about how travel will change because while we're still here at the end of, you know... COVID, end of the pandemic, I don't even know what to say because there's still so many cases in the US. But in the US, we have a lot of vaccinations rolling out. Trav actually got vaccinated uh, with the Johnson and Johnson and I will be as well soon. But there are some logistical things like borders are still close. So if you're thinking of traveling this summer or this year, I just wanted to say the few logistical things that I, I personally think that a lot of countries will Require some type of maybe you have a vaccination card, so that you have to be vaccinated to enter. I also wanted to mention that when we were in Costa Rica, that we had to have special insurance, right, Trev?
0: Yes, we had to get insurance that essentially would cover our accommodations if we got COVID and had to stay longer. Was was the long and short of it.
1: Right. So I just think before you're booking travel, even for this year or in the future, to just keep those things in mind that it might be a situation where you have to be vaccinated or you might have to have special insurance or a special visa of some sort. So logistically, I think there will be some small changes. Yeah,
0: you're a very good point with that, and who knows exactly what that will look right. like or how long you will need to have those things. That is anyone's guess. We are not even going to guess <laughs> at that because it would be a little bit irresponsible for us to even even try. Um, we're also not going to talk about if we think it'll be plane tickets will be more expensive, less expensive. This is no because, way to know. Yeah, we we don't know. We're not in that world, but. As we mentioned, what we think is going to happen is a a big-time fundamental shift in the way people travel, and we see it as a very positive thing because this is a drum that we have been banging for a long time, and the first way that we think is going to change... And we've already seen it changing this way is the fact that there is a huge rise in people being able to work remote. And we have always loved this idea of people and helping people be able to work remote because it meant that you could travel, live, and work from anywhere in the world. And so the word that gets thrown out a lot is digital nomad. We used to shy away from it. I don't think it's... I, I, now I'm, I'm fine with it. Like I, I I think as long as people realize that digital nomad doesn't mean you have to be nomadic. Right. It just means that you, you can be. We prefer the term... Location independence, you're choosing where you want to be. Digital nomad, location independence, whatever you want to call it, this le- lends itself to a different type of travel because people are able to work remotely.
1: Right. And so before the pandemic, there were kind of two options for traveling. You know, you were either going on a vacation, one, two weeks, maybe more. If you're not American, you get more vacation. Or you were an expat living abroad completely. So we're thinking that we're going to be seeing a lot more people entering that digital nomad space. We've been doing it for years and years and we love it. But now that people understand and realize that you can work from home, which means then you can work from another home somewhere else in another country or another place that's not your house. I think so many people will take advantage of that because why, why wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a nice in-between of a vacation and a, oh my gosh, I'm an expat and I have to live somewhere. And we've done both. Obviously, we've taken plenty of vacations. We were expats living in Japan for a while. And now we found that for us, perfect balance of being able to be location independent and work remotely, which leads us to our second big point of how we think travel is going to change and this is that people are going to be traveling slower and more locally
1: yes exactly for example we just went to costa rica uh for january february and march and that's the first time that we have traveled that slow That slowly it was
0: slow slow. i mean we didn't even have a car so we didn't leave the town of tamarindo other than you know going to the next town (laughs) down for two months
1: Yes. And so, it was awesome. It was great. Now, before that, we had traveled when we were actually pretty nomadic before we moved back into our home in Philadelphia. We traveled. For, we spent one month in Chiang Mai, Thailand. We spent one month in Bali, Indonesia. So we had done a little bit of slower staying in one place, but three months in one place was incredible for being there with our family, for being able to relax. while also work and experience the culture of this place.
0: Here's the thing that we figured out: it is very hard to travel fast and also work. Is it? Is it possible? Sure, it's possible, but you get burnt out on both really quickly. Yes. And this came to a head for us when we were in Bali, and we essentially felt like we weren't doing either right. We weren't running our business right, and you know, if, if you're not running your own business, you're still, but you are working. You know, you're not doing your work correctly, and you're also not enjoying where you are. So it's just like push pull, and we felt like we were doing both bad, (laughs) you know? And so we decided like we have to travel slower. Now, easier said than done for people who want to see everything, but I think the beauty, uh, one of the good things that will come out of this is a lot of people will say, okay, I, I do have to work and you'll probably figure out for yourself how long that means staying in a place and sometimes you might stay a month, sometimes you might two, stay 2, 3, might be a couple of weeks. Everyone is going to be different, but it will be slower travel and it will be people supporting local industries. This is a, this already we saw with with younger generations, which I'm I mean I would say millennials and whatever's under millennials, <laughs> Gen Z. Um yeah. and we we like we're like on the cusp between millennials and Gen X. I call ourselves the Oregon Trail generation, that mm-hmm. little gap in between. But uh, you know people saying i want to support local i'll pay more for a craft beer uh, you know or or i'll go to a restaurant or an artisan or something like that so we already saw that happening and i think that that will come back and only be uh, magnified post pandemic because people realize that these local businesses really struggle
1: yes and, and not just businesses but countries as well because yep. there are a lot of countries in the world that survive on tourism mainly tourism so i think that that's something to be thinking about when we wanna travel with more intention and just really dig into a culture to experience what's happening there. And then in doing so, you can support those local industries as well.
0: And one of the reasons we actually decided to go to Costa Rica was for that fact. We felt comfortable traveling there, we did travel there, and we Costa Rica was hit really, really hard. I mean, the whole country was closed to tourists for seven, eight months, whatever it was. And everyone we talked to from the people who watched our kids to the restaurant owners, like anyone who had small businesses that was that were dependent on people coming in that were not local people really, really took a hit. And so, yeah, you made an awesome point just to be cognizant of, of where you're traveling based on that and maybe trying to spend your dollars in a way in countries that you like have liked in the past or that, you know. Were hit maybe harder than others. Um, th- in this case, you know every country was hit when it came to tourism, but some are more dependent than others, which leads us to number three. When you're looking at a place to go, believe that there's going to be a shift in the destinations that people are picking, and we're not going to give you. Sp- Like I'm not going to say, oh, no one will go to London, but everyone (laughs) will go to Bangkok. I think it's more of the fact that people will look for livability versus just tourist hotspots. And this goes back to point one. If you are going and you are traveling slower and more locally and you're going to work remote, You want something that's convenient and livable versus, oh my gosh, I'm gonna go see these amazing wonders of the world, but I'm only here for a week.
1: Right, and I do think that because of the pandemic and people not being able to travel for over a year, there will be a rise in like, oh, I'm doing my bucket list dream trip because I haven't been able to do anything for a year. But for the most part, I do think that because people will realize they can take a longer trip, whether they're going for two weeks on vacation and then extending because they're going to do work as well, whatever this hybrid travel is going to look like, it's going to be about a livable place that's comfortable, that's convenient, especially if you have families uh, that will just make sense for you. And A part of this, a part of shifting in destination is that a lot of countries are offering digital nomad visas, a special visa, if you are a digital nomad or a freelancer, because in the past, a lot of countries make you leave after a certain amount of time. You have a tourist visa, you can stay usually for three months is kind of 90 days is usually a pretty standard visa visa. allowance for people. But a lot of countries, including Argentina, Costa Rica, Croatia, Mexico, Australia, Spain, Portugal, those are just a few, a lot of countries in the Caribbean, they are offering these digital nomad visas. And I just did a little research on this and it's pretty easy to get them. It basically requires that you can show you make a certain amount in a year. Some of them make you have a background check. You have to open a bank account, put some money in. So it's not really that hard to get these visas. Now, some countries are harder. They require you to have more money in the bank or whatnot. But if you have a legitimate business where you're making enough in the U.S. to survive, it's usually something that will allow you to get this digital nomad visa somewhere else.
0: Yeah, a lot of countries are actively courting digital nomad because they have they see, and even before the, the pandemic, they started to see, wait, these people are coming, they're staying for longer, mm-hmm. which means they're putting more money into our economy. Um, they're getting to... You know know the local like it was it was, it's usually and there are some downsides to digital nomads uh, coming into certain areas as well but it's usually a positive experience and so countries who were maybe struggling for tourism or had just seen the shift started to court digital nomads and now it has blown up because you're saying all right so many more people are able to work remote let's go after them. And that's a really good place for people like us to be who can work remote, who are freelancers, digital nomads, because, again, my mom just sent me a text message last night. Did you see this? It says Costa Rica now allowing people to stay for up to a year because they had the whole 90 day thing. Yes, And now they're saying, hey, if you get one of these visas, you're going to be able to stay for up to a year makes your life so much easier you don't have to
1: do these border hops every couple of months and just go into a neighboring country or continent at some point like in europe if you are in a schengen country you You have have to to leave leave. and
0: you have to be out by for a certain amount of time (laughs) and stuff like that you
1: know and we know people who have struggled with this and we've known people who are in relationships with people who struggle with this if they're from different countries and they have to just be leaving and they can't be together so you know it makes sense and we're not taking jobs away from people in that local country because we're working for ourselves or as a freelancer for another company in a different country. So I think it's really positive and really cool. And so it's definitely something to look into if you're interested in going somewhere, whether it's for three months, six months, or even up to a year, you'll be able to do it more easily in, I think there's about 15 to 20 countries right now that definitely have these visas.
0: Yeah. And case in point for us, when we talk about livability, we went to Costa Rica. We specifically asked people who had traveled a lot through Central America and South America, we said, okay, we have two kids, two little kids. We want it to be super convenient. We want, um, you know, there'd be nice accommodations, good infrastructure, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't have to be the cheapest place in the world. We just want to go where it's convenient and livable. We, we knew we were going for a month it ended up being three months, but that were, that those were the exact words I said to my friends. Like I want it to be convenient and livable. Mm -hmm. I don't need to go and see the Eiffel Tower and Notre Dame and, and the Louvre, which are cool things, but for us, this trip was much different, and that brought us to Costa Rica. And I think that will be what a lot of people are looking for, and you mentioned this, especially families, especially yes. people who are saying, all right, we're going to go three months and we have these kids. Um listen, it's cool to see all these things and and maybe you'll go take little day trips or, or a couple day trip to see this. But your home base is going to be somewhere that is convenient. And, you know, hopefully or probably for a lot of people, cheaper than maybe where they were living before. Yeah. So and this brings us to point number four, this idea of home.
1: Yes. And how that might change for some people Um hopefully not in a negative way like you can't know you can no longer afford your home i hope that's not the case but the concept of home will look different for people for example trav and i do a lot of airbnb and we have a couple different properties and if you listen to this podcast you know that in august of 2020 during the pandemic we bought a home in north carolina on the beach but our goal was not well, I mean, maybe our goal is eventually to live here Yeah, all the I mean, time. our goal <laughs> was
0: to live here, but we bought it but knowing we would have to rent it out because there was no way for us to afford it just saying we're going to buy this as our own primary house and no one's going to come through here. Right.
1: So that has allowed us to rent this home when we're not here. And during those months that we are not here, we can travel somewhere where it's cheaper to live or the mortgage is cheaper, what have you. So there's just this whole idea of being flexible and thinking outside of the box when it comes to your living situation. Because even when we were in Costa Rica, we met some couples who were not, digital nomads and they didn't work for themselves, but because of COVID and being able to work from home, they decided to make their home Costa Rica and they're staying there for a couple of months and they decided to throw their home up. I think they did on Airbnb, but on whatever platform you want. And they live in LA, they rented their house out and then they're in Costa Rica in a, in a, situation that they are loving and experiencing this whole other culture in this whole other country.
0: Right. And, bo- and bo- as you mentioned, both of them had re- quote unquote regular jobs yes. that, that then went remote because of COVID and they had not been digital nomads before, but now they were like trying this lifestyle out without really knowing. They didn't know they were going to come. They're like, we're going to do it for a month. And then they, uh, they have been there for like five, six, seven months. And I think like most things that we're talking about, this idea of being a little more fluid with what your home looks like and being more open to, hey, maybe I can rent it out on Airbnb when I'm not there. Maybe I'll home exchange. like there, These platforms, it existed, and people were obviously already doing it. I
1: mean, because we were already right.
0: doing it. Right, but the, the, I feel like COVID and the pandemic has poured rocket fuel on it because, because so many more people now can work remote, there's just so many more people who are interested in, in this type of lifestyle therefore it's one of these things that's like a self-fulfilling prophecy or or like a continuous loop where oh my gosh more people need houses okay I can put mine up it can get booked easier there's more places for me to look at and then you have a lot of people said to us when we were in Costa Rica but it's weird like I don't know people staying in my home don't you guys think that's odd and we said
1: yeah or do you have trouble with it what do you do with your stuff
0: we said, like, for the, f- the first time we did it, which for us was like seven years ago, yeah, it seemed a little strange, and we did it and had a great experience, and then we did it again, and it becomes more normal, and I think a lot of people will have a little bit of apprehension in the beginning and then say, wow, that was really cool that someone was in our house for three months and we got to be on the other side of the world for three months, okay. Like, and it worked out and and my stuff wasn't broken and blah, 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 blah. Or I figured out how to pack my stuff. So to put it away, all these questions people have will be answered by more people doing it. And it's just a super positive thing for me, for people to have this idea of home be a bit more fluid. Yes.
1: And I do just want to say that probably some of you are thinking, okay, well, with this pandemic coming to a close eventually, hopefully soon... I might have to go back to work. I might have to go back into the office. And yes, that might be the case, but we've always been people who have tried to encourage people to think outside the box, even with their job. Like it never hurts to ask. And so if you've been working from home and it's been working for you, there's definitely situations where you can kind of negotiate this life that you want, that you had a taste of. You can try to advocate for yourself in making it work to be a more permanent or at least semi-permanent situation so that you can have those experiences going somewhere else.
0: Yeah, not everyone has to say, I want to start my own thing and become location independent that way. We teach that over at locationindie.com. So if you're interested in saying I might want to start my own business, be my own boss, do that, we do teach that. But for people who are in a job and and saying like, I want to keep my job but I want the flexibility that I had. Yeah, it's always the best advice we can give people is show, don't tell. And you've had a whole year or more now to show that it works. And what's cool is that a lot of companies are realizing that they have to give workers this freedom because if they don't, and a competitor does... Well, see you later. And so, again, one of those things that like the snowball starts rolling down the hill, Mm -hmm. you can't really put it back in again. So if a company's like, nope, you got to come back to the office and you're sitting there saying, I don't want to. And you try to negotiate and they say, no, well, there's probably a lot of other companies who will have you that will allow you to do that. For various reasons.
1: Yes. And I think the same thing holds true for families with children and children of school age. It depends on your children and what they feel comfortable with. I'm sure a lot of children are eager to get back into the swing of school life if they're into activities and extracurricular. But a lot of people still have the opportunity to do virtual schooling. And if it's something that works for your family, you can take that on the road and you can teach them or have them be taught by somebody else virtually in another country while they can also experience the culture of that location, which is something that's so important to us having done that, not with our kids necessarily, but even just for our own benefit of seeing how other people around the world live and experiencing their lives.
0: Yeah. It's about options and, Thankfully, there are going to be a lot more options in the next couple of years because people have already had to adjust and they've had to adjust with it thrown on them. And some people have adjusted well and some people haven't. And the people who like now we can do it with some foresight too. oh my gosh, education, everyone had to go virtual. But wait, there's some positives. Let's think through this and figure out how we can make this sustainable and better for everyone involved, teachers, kids, parents, all that good stuff. Absolutely. Last one, the fifth thing, and that is that we believe there'll be more traveling with a purpose. And we we talked about this in the first four, but you specifically mentioned had ecotourism.
1: Yeah, I think because the world essentially stopped for so many months, I mean, even flights were pretty much at a grounded, standstill yep. and grounded. And I think- Especially in Delaware. <laughs> I think a lot of people around, haha, a lot of people around the world really used this as a positive to see how our earth reacted, you know, how things could change for the better. Although it,
0: the dolphins in, in <laughs> the dolphins in Venice canal were alive, lie, right? <laughs> that, that home picture going around, I believe was fake. Correct.
1: I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure. I just but, know that
0: was a huge hubbub. People are like the dolphins are back in the Venice canals. I'm like, They were ever there and that turned out to be fake. But
1: Um, I just think more intentional travel with a focus on sustainability, really, because I think travel is a privilege and people were doing a lot of it before the pandemic, you know, flights all the time going everywhere and just so many people traveling like this whole influencer Instagram culture, you know, it's, it just blew up over the past decade and Everybody being able to step back from that and thinking, OK, well, let's make this more intentional. Let's be more sustainable about this because we want to reduce our carbon footprint and we want our world to just heal a little bit. And I think that that will go through. I mean, maybe not as much as everybody wants it to, because, of course, people will be like, yeah, we're going anywhere <laughs> yeah, and you and doing fall back anything. into
0: your, your old habits. But, but if
1: we keep talking about it and that's not a platform that I feel like so strongly about that, you know. I'm advocating for this more than anything else, but it's something that I want to think about when we're traveling. And even when I was reading some articles in CN Traveler, where at the bottom of each destination, I noticed they started putting sustainable traveler tips, which I found to be just really nice and helpful because when you're reading about travel, you can just keep these in in mind. For example, like eating more locally, staying at eco hotels, or there was one in particular where I talked about going to South Africa, and there was a picture of Hermanus, which Trav and I have been to, and it's such a cute little town, and when we drove up, the whales were there, because the whales just come up to the shore here in this town in South Africa, and their sustainability tip was, well, you don't have to book a boat to go out on the ocean. You can literally just see them from land because they get so close, so just like these cool little experiences that can also improve your trip, but can improve the environment, um, that's, that's all. Yeah, I think also that's all, but that, that's
0: traveling slower helps yeah. with this, right? I mean, when you travel slower, you naturally get on less planes, trains, cars, whatever. I mean, planes are a big one, right? And so for us, we were as guilty as anyone when it came to the idea that, oh my gosh, there's a mistake for Italy. It's 225 bucks. Let's just go. And we would go. And we're not you know, throwing anyone under the bus who did that. We did that as well but when you decide that you're going to travel slower and you are more intentional with where you're going that will help with the idea that our earth is going to heal because you're just doing things that are that are less dangerous to to the earth and that's because you're not moving around as much and so you know for us one of the reasons that we decided to travel slower was because of kids um i think also we just really started to see the value in it for ourselves, because we like to dive deep into a culture and get to know the people at the restaurants, and all that. And third, as we mentioned, because we realize the balance of, of working and trying to travel when you're traveling quick is very, very hard. So there's no right answer or number that I would give people, because sometimes I, I, I kind of get asked this question in a few roundabout ways like, well, fast travel versus slow travel, like, how long would you spend in a place? There's no right or wrong answer. We just know that our average days in a place. Keeps going up, and you know, the longest, as we mentioned, that we just did in Costa Rica was three months, and that was the first time that I felt that I didn't want to go faster. I wasn't not that we could have went up to Nicaragua because the borders are closed, but I didn't like let's go to Nicaragua, oh, let's even go down to the south of Costa Rica. I was just like, no, I'm here, I want to chill in Tamarindo, and um, yeah, so I think. Post-pandemic, there's going to be a lot of people who might feel the same way because they can work remotely who say, I want to live somewhere. So those are five things that we think will change, all kind of intertwined and interconnected, which is our world in general, right? But the five things that will change in a post-pandemic world, remote work is going to allow, be open for, for way more people.
1: Yes, just traveling slower and more locally,
0: that people will start looking for destinations based on livability and convenience versus just tourist hotspots.
1: The the concept of home might look different for other people
0: and that there's going to be a little more traveling with purpose when it comes to eco-tourism. So that's how we think Travel will change. We would (laughs) would not have been able to get through all that on an NMSNBC interview. That was five minutes. But thankfully, as you mentioned, we have our own podcast. So you guys got 30 minutes of how we think travel will change post-pandemic. Let us know your thoughts as well at extrapackofpeanuts.com. Um, well, that's our website. You can go extra pack of peanuts dot com slash show. It's going to say to get the podcast. <laughs> but extra pack of peanuts on Instagram. Let us know how you guys think travel will change because there's a lot of way, a lot of things I think we'll see differently, and we certainly didn't hit on all of those. Right. Thank you guys for listening as always for making us one of the top rated podcasts in the world. And until next time, and next time, if you're listening to this one, I've got a really good <laughs> intro <laughs> fact about U.S. airports. Intro question on the next. Podcast. So be on the lookout for that. It's even harder than this question, Hath.
1: I better prep somehow. It's like
0: final, final Jeopardy. Oof, all right. Thank you guys for listening. And until next time,
1: happy free travels. Lightning struck in an open plane. And we forgot this old city's name. See your breath on window pane. Let's just talk till it strikes again on my way through I saw you on my way through on my way through I saw you see you again someday
0: and don't forget if you do want to see our MSNBC interview you can go to extra slash MSnBC or watch it on igtv thanks napkins for filming that